Hello and welcome to the Bot Nirvana podcast where we dive into all things software automation. I'm your host Nandan Mullakra. While I'm not podcasting, I write articles on nandan.info. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let's get right into it. Today we have Stefan Groshoff. He is the founder of Automation Hero. Automation Hero is an AI-centric RPA tool. It has got process mining, intelligent character recognition and human in the loop capabilities. This is a Q&A session we recorded as part of a demo. The link to the complete demo video is in the show notes. I got started with the Q&A part of the session by asking Stefan how Automation Hero differentiates itself in the RPA market. So what we frequently see um, as quote unquote our competition in, in, in yields is um, a duct tape solution out of different tools, right? So um, they maybe have spent $100,000 on a process mining tool and they spend $300,000 on an RPA tool. And then they're like, oh, well, we, we need OCR now. So let's put another 100 grand down on, you know, pick your favorite OCR tool. And then you still don't have any kind of AI. Yeah? So then you go and maybe buy yet another AI tool there, or again, even, um, even slower, you will start hiring a data science team um, and so on. And you can you, you saw, right? It's very visual in our case to build these kind of models. So the way we differentiate ourselves is really time to value. You know, we believe that the only thing you can't buy for money is time. So therefore, um, the most valuable thing we can do is provide you a platform that gets you the fastest to really automate your business process. And um, on that level, again, we we are a little bit more enterprisey than some other folks. Uh, we're not kind of your if this, then that. And that is totally fair. And there's a market for that. I'm not going to be negative about that. But we really see ourselves if you have, okay, we are in insurance. This thing needs to run. There is no way we'll, we'll put this in the cloud. We need this on-prem. Um, and by the way, we have this, you know, 500 rules that Cobalt code we need to integrate. So that's kind of then um, um, our uh, watering hole, our turf. That's where that's where we working really um, very well. So it's very enterprisey. That doesn't necessarily mean a big company. Again, we have a lot of startups as well and smaller companies. But it's just like, okay, I want to, go all the way from email to um, answering the quote or f- from email to set up the account um, and so on. And we, we bring all the tools together. The people that need to be in the process, the AI, the process mining, the flow, the integration, the highly reliability. And um, so, yeah, we're kind of that very enterprisey end-to-end platform, I would, I would say. Okay, yeah. So. Um, yeah, you have most of the capabilities on your platform, um, and that is great. Uh, what I like most about the platform is that, and what I thought that it differentiates is that it's data first. So you are uh, starting with data and AI, uh, which I think is a true differentiator. You know, we 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 are mostly in the RPA RPA tools. We are mostly in that workflows. You are mostly with data and flows, like what Nico was saying. So that's great. So <clears throat> from an AI capabilities perspective, so when you started off, um, you know, I, I'm thinking you started by having you know AI around flow. So uh, a question was around what all capabilities do you have, like. Uh, I know you've got NLP. I did see some of those. So what, what's your complete? 
AI capability. On, on the AI layer? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the capabilities are really right. So we do true deep learning, you know, not your grandmother's uh, machine learning with random forest or anything like this that some people these days call AI. We do true deep learning models. Um, so that allows us to do uh, a wide, um, wide variety of things. So um, a very common one is um, intent detection or text classification. So the use case would be uh, here's an email or support message and we need the simplest things to route it. Yeah? Um, and that might be routing it to a person or they might be routing it to an automation, yeah? to, to another flow and saying like, okay, this is a code request, we want to answer the code, or this is a tracking request, we want to look up where the package is, or you know, this is a complaint and we need to route that to our support team. So that's kind of the first capability. Second capability around natural language processing is what's uh, called dark data extraction or for a more technical term named entity extraction, which means extracting structured data out of text. So very frequently if we maybe stay with the um, um, tracking example, yeah, um, it's like or the code example. Hey, I would like a code to send a package from San Francisco to New York. It's 50 kilograms, how much is that? So um, these, of course, are in kind of broad text. Sometimes it's in tables. Many times someone is just literally writing an email. And with name entity extraction, dark data extraction, we can extract from, to, amount, and so on, and turn kind of what's unstructured uh, into structured data. Then um, next uh, common use case, of course, is our intelligent OCR, where we um, really have, we didn't have a chance to go uh, great in detail, but again, we are above industry average in the accuracy. Why? Well, <clears throat> we daisy chain a whole bunch of AI models together, right? So the first AI model is understanding which document is this. We literally have insurance documents where you have 50 pages of which only three of us are really meaningful. You know, the rest is like know, uh, the cover page from the contractor and this and that. So we have visual classification that says like, oh, actually these are the documents uh, or the pages we're interested. Next up, we have an AI model that is similar to Photoshop, is correcting, you know, these days a lot of these um, scans, quote unquote, are smartphone pictures. So terrible, higher resolution, but terrible quality around uh, orientation and such. So next AI model can correct that. And we have an AI model that really extracts visually in the form, you know, okay, this is the field. And that's quite complicated because sometimes it's handwritten, it leads into the next field, maybe it's multi-line, I squeeze it in or something here. And we have a phenomenal deep learning algorithm that really is pixel by pixel scoring, is that still part of that? Then we have the OCR, again, handwritten text. Usually in the industry, you get around 50 to 60% accuracy. We very frequently achieve um, in the mid to high 90s. Why? Well, we're bringing in, again, uh, boosting deep learning models that have context knowledge. So let me give you an example. We have an insurance and, um, you know, actually what's, uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, there's a lot of pet insurances these days. Uh, it's a very fast growing arena in the, in the insurance space. Uh, you know, it's very expensive to go to the, to the veterinarian if you have a little puppy. So they have health insurance for pets. So um, actually we have a couple couple uh, customers now in the arena. So, and we get the form, you know, and it's handwritten and good luck, you know, a veterinarian handwriting, uh, that's as terrible as you can get. But we have context information. You know, we know this is Rudy, the 11 years old, um, 11 years old golden retriever. 
now we uh, could learn from historical knowledge, you know, um, golden retrievers very frequently in, in their higher age get kidney diseases. So now we can combine this context information with OCR. So even if we can only physically detect 50% of the characters, what would be totally not enough to provide high quality data for your system, now we can combine this with context information. Oh, 10 years old golden retriever, all right, it's kidney disease. So we're achieving high, extremely high accuracies uh, to that, and there's a lot of IP in there, and like really making this work. Um, but that's you know incredible, valuable as you can imagine. I mean, we have an insurance in North America. Um, we're processing millions of claims that had to be manually typed in before. Um, and <clears throat> nobody likes that, by the way. Yeah? And these folks now that. Um, that historically did this actually now can really look for insurance fraud because people submitting the same document again and again and before you know because of high error rates and manual entry they couldn't find these these duplicated submissions of course now with AI it's a very easy classification problem um, then we can do uh, image processing so very common these days is again hey why don't you get insurance send us a picture of your home for your uh, we wanna we wanna insure that. Well, guess what? If there happened to be a face on that picture under California as well as European data protection laws, you're not allowed to have any kind of pictures where third parties are in there. So we can actually detect faces, we can detect a street name, license plates, what have you, you know, and then car accident picture, what have you, and then back that out. And it goes, goes farther all the way to, you know, detecting if maybe a shingle on the roof um, had an impact by the last storm or things like this. So. It goes very far, you know. Of course, again, the low-hanging fruits are um, customer interactions. One last statement that I think makes the, the reason why we're just growing so incredible fast is RPA did a great job with first of all legacy systems that, by the way, are shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Number two, with structured data. But if you really look into this, the moment you interact outside the company with your customers, with your suppliers, and so on, you very quickly get into the unstructured data world. And it's one thing to automate, you know, maybe your accounting system where you had maybe five accountants, that's great to help them. But if you have five accountants, you most likely will have two or 300 sales reps that are your best paid people in the company that, you know, you, you make them enter lead information, contact information, make them answer emails such as, hey, I, um, I just moved, my, here's my new address. And that can be automated. And then it's not just a question of reducing cost. It's really a significant impact uh, increasing the productivity of your customer engaging folks. And that's the key these days. Yeah, customers picking who responds the quickest to quote requests or has the best customer experience. So that's, I think, where that really drives our business. And that's the AI capabilities now part of it. And how about the conversational AI? Do you have that as well, like the virtual agents? Yeah, we are not a big fan of chatbots. Yeah, so and, and it's uh, for multiple reasons. Um, and again, I'm, I'm the I'm the geek here, so let me dive into technical reasons first. Look, the the problem we have with chatbots is that people uh, typing maybe five words maximum, like um, "Where's my credit card?" And um, yeah, even if you have very high accuracy, you know, as you know, having let's say you have a ninety percent accuracy in detecting the intent of these like three word requests. Um, the problem is even if you has just have a 10% error rate in that chat conversation, that means at some point you fail and you, you know, again, within 10 chat things you will fail. 
what is a miserable customer experience. The social um, rule, if you're writing an email, is you're writing more context and you're providing the context right away. You don't uh, divide the context into three or five word sentences as you do in a chat. So um, we actually do a lot of conversational um, automation on an email or a support forum or that kind of way, yeah, where people just, you know, still saying like, dear Stefan, I have a broken, you know, and then there's more context. By the way, you now also have the email, so you can look things up in Salesforce and so on. So we just see significant higher, um, you know, success with automating email engagements rather than chatbots. So we, we're steering away from the chatbots, we leave that to other folks, but we do a lot of conversational automation around emails. Okay, great, great, yeah. So <clears throat> staying with AI, um, one of the questions uh, was about uh, if these components were inherent to the platform or is it integrated with uh, Azure or Google Cloud? Or, or mm -hmm. So it's all ours, it's all one platform. So we, we offer our product to be installed on-prem. So, and again, we're in very big financial organization and small startups or smaller companies, but very frequently, especially as you engage with customers, it's not an option to just send data off to your you know, cloud provider. In, in, and by the way, we, um, the accuracy we achieve in our system is like far above what you get with like Google Vision or Azure Vision or you know, pick your favorite, whatever. Um, so no, we, we don't use any of this. We don't send data out. Um, but of course, if you want to run our product in these cloud environments, we actually support them. So our fully managed environments in AWS, it's just the most popular, but we do have customers that run us in Azure. You can run us in Google Cloud. Um, and again, you can run us in actually IBM's mainframe cloud as well as we're supporting mainframe uh, hardware even. Okay, great. So if someone needs to start out, I think that's a question many of our listeners or you know, viewers would have. What would be the basic understanding to start off with automation here? Yeah, we see frequently folks that have a little bit of background in data analytics that are kind of more the Excel jockeys, um, that, that ETL pipelines before, feeling very comfortable in the product. Uh, we do offer um, extensive training for free, of course. We have an online portal um, that has, um, you know, kind of different certification levels, right? It's like, hey, the five minutes getting started, or I want to be a citizen data scientist. That's a couple, three-hour kind of training that you can go through. Um, but we're really held, holding the hand there um, and... You know, if you know what a string and integer and a volume value is and kind of how, how um, you need to move your data to automate something. Because let's be honest, if we zoom out, um, automation is data movement yeah, with intelligence. Um, and if you know, okay, I have my customer um, relationship management data here and I have my order management system here. And by the way, when I move here, then I need to process the, the OCR, the, the, the PDF with OCR, then you're pretty quickly um, able to point and take things together. As you saw, it's very visual. You can you can not screw anything up. You add something, you see the preview, okay, you add the next thing and so on. Okay, so one question Hal had was, do you, you've mentioned a training, uh, but do you have a training path for RPA practitioners who are already working on Automation Anywhere or UiPath or Pega, uh, do, do you have yeah. a path? Okay. 
Yeah, we do. Uh, we so two things. We have a partner program where we, of course, have um, very meaningful um, yeah, partner yeah, kickbacks. Of course, what is maybe always interesting for our partners. Yeah. Um, so there's there's different models. There's a um, bronze, silver, and gold kind of partnership. Um, we are with all the GSIs, of course, already um, have partnerships there, but we actually really like the um, boutique and smaller partners as well. So we do a lot of support for them. One thing is free education, absolutely. So again, uh, there's an education portal that you can, uh, at your own pace, kind of work the way through. Um, and uh, we'll also supply partners really with, with beyond that, as we partner enablement. You know, we help you to uh, pitch the product, understand the product, uh, position it. And in the end, look, the result will be more business for you. Um, and it's really interesting. So um, how a lot of kind of um, iPass, Automation Anywhere, Blue Prism folks comes to us. Because again, like this is the first wave of automation. And then you always run against the wall, which is, oh, how do we now bring intelligence into this, right? We did structured data and we added data into a mainframe, but now they wanna bring customer support requests out of Salesforce over here and automatically do this. So this is, again, kind of the second wave is um, usually in, um, yeah, the big, the big benefit there. Okay, so if people want to start learning on their own, is that possible? Do you have like a community edition? Uh, we do so sign up for our portal for our learning portal and then as part of the trainings process um, you get access to the appropriate things beyond kind of the um, yeah, the free version you get as you train if you will um, for kind of commercial customers we have um, also a free version so if you actually it's not it's more than free we pay for you so uh, we actually have a cloud uh, environment where you get uh, $200 of credits. Um, so again, not just you, you get the software for free, but it's also the cloud credits, if you will. Um, so that's a, that's a great way to get started. Um, and yeah, you can already build something out for your customer control. Okay, and, and considering your, uh, you know, the way you're approaching it, uh, with AI and data, uh, where are you finding maximum traction for this? In which industries are you finding maximum traction? Yeah. Right now? So, uh, especially given the AI capabilities, where we're extremely strong is as soon we're hitting unstructured data. That could be emails, texts, this could be written documents, forms, uh, invoices, legal documents that have to be OCR. So that naturally brings us into usually contact center uh, use cases, sales use cases, in insurances, of course, claims. Um, yeah, so input management there, claim processing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but from an industry perspective, um, it's uh, not just insurances, that's a, it's a top area for us, as you can imagine. Yeah. But we have logistic companies. We have actually uh, some of the biggest European retailers as customers. Um, we have, of course, banks, we have startups, uh, Nico, help me out. So what, what else? Uh, I'm doing one with the manufacturer right now. Manufacturing, um, oil industry, it, there's really no limit to that. But again, I think the use cases for us are that we, we get interesting the moment you want to do something more serious beyond just a simple task. Right. 
right? So if you really, okay, we have an end-to-end -end process, this needs to run 24 seven, this is customer critical, and we have unstructured data, this is kind of awesome as well. Okay, so now in an RPA world, uh, it's all task automation, as you rightly say. And uh, also what advantage with that is that uh, it is quick. You know, you can do things in two weeks, four weeks. How much time would you take for you generally for your automations? Yeah, I reference this customer with $156 million ROI. It took two weeks to implement that. Oh, okay. Um, and um, the, uh, look, as always, it's a journey. It took two weeks to get the 60% done that I mentioned. And then it took another 80 weeks to get to 87%, right? So there's, of course, a continuous improvement. Um, and you can continue improve, improve, improve it. It makes uh, business sense. But you will find that it's extremely simple um, to click things together here uh, from an AI model as well as from a flow model. So, you know, I mean, there's a learning curve, right? So if you subtract that, we frequently get kind of the first prototype of an automation done in less than a couple of weeks. Um, so we really, we, it's really fast. Um, I would argue it's significantly easier than kind of the traditional RPA when you hit uh, certain things around, um, you know, the moment in, in, in traditional RPA you want to do something interesting, you have to use C-sharp code, good luck. You don't have to do this with us, right? It's all point and click. And if you want to do something super crazy, then it's JavaScript. So there's, it's a much lower barrier to entry. Okay, and so also with traditional RPA, one problem is what people call as scaling. And they define it as number of bots, which kind of, I don't agree with, but that's how they <laughs> scale. So how, how are you saying scaling with Automation Hero? Uh, look, this is our sweet spot, yeah? So that's my background as one of the guys that started Hadoop. And uh, look, I mean, in 2005, I built the iPhone backend, right? We talked about Steve Jobs earlier today. So that, that was kind of my first job when I came to California from Germany. So um, yeah, we can run at massive scale. Um, we do, do not have a customer yet that hit the limit. We can run in up to 1,000 servers. And here's the differentiation. RPA has, uh, means bots, then are multiple machines. We run, if you want to stay with the bot world, we run bot, one bot distributed. So and this is a really big and critical differentiation. So if you think about, uh, you know, let's say you have more um, documents or, or you know, process uh, that you need to process than one machine can, can use, um, the traditional way is that you basically partition the work. So you say like, okay, well, I have two machines that do the work. The problem if one machine fails, you're losing the data. You don't know what the machine maybe was just in the middle of processing. And now you have this one machine here kind of like being totally overwhelmed. Now with our technology and environment, again, we're in an elastic expanding and contracting cluster if you choose to. And uh, what technically happens if one machine fails is that another machine can take over the work or can again be restarted somewhere else in another physical machine. Um, so yeah, we, we really, first of all, can elastically expand but also have these fault tolerance in. And technically, we're using, um, for, for the nerds on the car, we're using an algorithm that's called conflict-free replicatable data type. So you might not heard about that before, but you might heard about a technology called Git, 
So um, it's very similar to Git, where two developers can program on the code at the same time, and you can still kind of bring things together for a conflict. That's what we're using actually under the hood in the platform, uh, in our platform. So uh, for achieving really military grade reliability, you can literally have five machines run on prem, five machines in the cloud. You cut the wire. These two things will continue to run. You bring them back together. They sync up and identify where there might be conflict and such, so that you at no point have data loss. So we extremely enterprisey up to a thousand servers. Nobody ever got anywhere close to that. Um, uh, so not just scalability, but also reliability. That's really important as we scale. Okay. All right. Let's uh, talk about the pricing options. I think you said you have pay-as-you-go pricing, right? Yeah. So also very differentiated. We don't charge uh, on a per bot base or per use case base. We believe that automation needs to be accessible also to smaller companies. Um, so we have a very aggressive pricing, which is $6 per server per hour. So if you want to just, you know, play around for a couple hours, um, building something, go in our cloud environment, you know, slide your credit card, two hours, 12 bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, just keep in mind, you need to shut it down. Don't keep it running for the whole month because we will charge you for the whole month. So, um, we're not tracking when you logged in, but it's literally how long the machines are. But when you, when you pause the machine, you can um, basically at any point like freeze the environment. There's no data loss. So you, know, you work two hours, then you call quit, you go to your family, play with your kids. Next day, you, you start them up and you continue where you were left off. And then you, know, you can, of course, choose when you move things from a development environment into a test environment, into a production environment, what kind of your SLAs there and how you want to run them. But it's a very aggressive pricing. Um, that we we think is fair, you know, you should pay for something as you use it and not, all right, before you can even do anything, put two grand on the table just so you have the development environment, right? And then like, oh, you know, put a hundred grand on the table if you want to do anything more interesting and you need orchestration. All this stuff is built in, yeah? So there's no different pricing. Uh, orchestration is built in, fault tolerance is built in, all the connectors are built in, the AI studio is built in, yada, yada, yada. So it's all... All one price, six bucks per machine power. Okay, great, great. And it's it's all. Uh, this is for your cloud environment. For the cloud, yeah. If you go on prem, you know, then we assume you run twenty four seven. These are the financial service organizations, right? So um, here you, of course, have a kind of a different requirement. Um, so yeah, we, we go on prem, and then we assume twenty four seven. So if you multiply things out, you know, I don't know get to $5,000 a month for a meaningful environment or something. Um, yeah, but these are again, are more beefy environments, yeah. Okay, and so you have an enterprise pricing model for that, it looks like. All yeah. right, um, so before we go, one last question, because we are going through this pandemic and you know we're getting into a new normal and we're all concerned about it. We also, some of them are excited. How do you see it with the new normal? Um, so we're, of course, devastated about um, the tragedy of this event um, and the impact for many families. Um, so I want to say that first. Um, we do see, um, you know, let me quote uh, the brilliant CEO of Microsoft. Um, we, we, we saw two years of digital transformation happening in two months. Yeah. So we saw the same thing. So especially as a lot of customer interactions have to be automated very quickly, you can't afford to have 200 people sitting two feet away in a call center, right? 
um, and a lot of companies struggling with the cybersecurity risk, having people just straight working from home. So we saw actually an uptake in interest. Um, and you know, on the, on the one hand side, we see a lot of interest, and we again we're growing over 100 percent quarter for quarter. But the of course companies are more careful. On the, on the other hand side, they they very budget concerned. That of course is very nicely resonating with our pay as you go model. Yeah, so we actually saw a kind of kind of a very positive impact in this in this devastating situation for our business. Okay, well, hope you all do well, and hope you all stay stay safe. Uh, so with that, I think it's a good uh, note to end on. Uh, thanks for doing this, uh, Stefan. Uh, absolutely enjoy doing it. Thank you for joining the Bot Nirvana podcast. Appreciate if you can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Catch the show notes on botnirvana.org. While you're there, feel free to explore more automation ideas, tutorials, tools, and more. See you next time.